to the Agora, the podcast that brings you analysis of the latest developments in Greece. I'm Phoebe Fronista. And I'm Nick Malkoutsis. On this episode, we'll be looking back at the massive impact a single political figure has had on Greece over the last 16 years. The thing is, she's not Greek. She's German. Her name? Angela Merkel. In Late October, the outgoing German Chancellor visited Athens as part of her farewell tour. It gave her a chance to look back on the often fractious, but always intriguing, relationship she had with Greece during her very long time in office. Merkel, along with her finance minister of many years, Wolfgang Schäuble, were seen as the architects of the demanding austerity policies that accompanied the three international bailouts Greece received between 2010 and 2018. During that time, Greece had four prime ministers and one caretaker premier. Merkel, though, was a constant presence on the scene. In fact, the whole time the Christian Democrat leader has been in power, there have been six different prime ministers in Greece. Kostas Karamanlis. Και βεβαίως όπως συνεργαζόμαστε πάντα καλά με τη Γερμανία και σε αυτό το θέμα θα έχουμε καλή συνεργασία. George Papandreou. I was here approximately a year ago, here in Berlin to meet with you, uh, Angela, and since then a lot has happened. Lukas Papadimos. I'm convinced that uh, the new government supported uh, by the Greek people, uh, will be able uh, to achieve his objective over the relatively short period of time ahead of us. Antonis Samaras. Fiscal is okay. There are going to be no more measures for pensions or for wage cuts, obviously. Alexis Tsipras. Το μήνυμα που θα λέει, go back κυρία Μέρκελ, go back κυρία Σόιβλε, go back κυρίες και κύριοι της ιδρυτικής μονεκλάδας. And Κυριάκος Μητσοτάκης. Είχα σήμερα την χαρά να υποδεχθώ την καγκελάριο Μέρκελ στην Αθήνα. And somewhere in between all of those, there was also a caretaker prime minister for about a month, Παναγιώτης Πικραμένος. That's quite a list there, Phoebe. Takes us back. Uh, and I suppose... One of the things it does is that it underlines not only Merkel's longevity as a national leader, but also the fact that Germany went through a prolonged period of stability while Greece was gripped by economic crisis, political uncertainty, and social turmoil. These contrasting fortunes put a huge strain on ties between Berlin and Athens over the last decade or so, and made Merkel a figure of hate for many Greeks. 
But her departure from the Chancellery comes at a calmer moment in the Greek-German relationship. Greece exited its final bailout more than three years ago, and the economy had started to show signs of recovery before COVID. And two years ago, New Democracy, a center-right party like Merkel's Christian Democratic Union, or CDU, was elected to power. This meant that Merkel could exchange smiles and diplomatic pleasantries with Greek officials during her recent visit to Athens, a far cry from her visit in late 2012, at the height of the crisis, when tens of thousands of people protested in the streets and the Greek capital witnessed one of the largest security operations in its history. So that sound of uh, what was going on on the streets of Athens uh, in 2012 when Angela Merkel uh, visited, uh, quite a tumultuous uh, visit to Athens. Phoebe, you were on the streets covering all that. Do you remember it? Oh, yes. And the the naked guy streaking through the stones and the tear gas. Oh, wow. I'd forgotten about him. <laughs> oh, yes. Wow. <laughs> One of those... Uh, Absurd uh, moments amid all the uh, turmoil that was going on. But uh, yes, memorable nonetheless. Yep. But Merkel, fortunately or unfortunately, (laughs) exits the stage during calmer times in relations between Germany and Greece. There are still issues over which the two countries don't quite see eye to eye. And these include the best way in which to deal with Turkish president Recep Tayyip Erdogan and... As always, the fiscal rules within the Eurozone. Yes, I don't think that we'll ever be free of uh, that debate about fiscal rules. Anyway, (laughs) as the German (laughs) Chancellor prepares to step down and be replaced by a government led by the rival Social Democratic Party, or SDP, we sat down with two men who have extensive knowledge of Greek-German relations and politics in Merkel's homeland. The first person we'll hear from is Henri Giscard Bonnet. He is the director of the Conrad Adenauer Foundation's office here in Athens. The Conrad Adenauer Foundation, or KAS, is a political foundation associated with Merkel's CDU party. Later, we'll have input from Christos Katsoulis, who was in charge of the Athens office of the Friedrich Ebert Foundation, which is allied to the center-left SPD party in Germany which won recent elections, but was also a coalition partner in Merkel's government during a large part of the Greek crisis. They do sound like the perfect guests to look back on the long and winding relationship Merkel has had with Greece and to make sense of so many things that happened during this period. Let's hear from Henri first. He spoke to Nick. Well, 
Henri, thank you very much for joining us on uh, the Agora podcast. Uh, we had recently the visit of uh, Angela Merkel to Athens as part of her farewell tour, let's say. Um, as you would expect on such an occasion, there was a lot of politeness and uh, gratitude. But it was interesting that uh, during their joint uh, statement, the Greek Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis suggested that maybe... Merkel had been unfair sometimes uh, towards Greece. On on her part, the German Chancellor acknowledged that she demanded a lot of the Greeks during the three bailouts between 2010 and 2018. Um, do you think that she leaves office with any regrets regarding her policy towards Greece, particularly within the context of the crisis? Yes, thank you first for having me, Nick. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm an avid reader of Macropolis, so thank you very much. Uh, as to your question, as it was an interesting visit because, of course, it was her final visit to Greece, and uh, I found that uh, the talks she had uh, were quite honest, I think. And on that uh, front, I think it's also understandable that uh, the Prime Minister reiterated, let's say, the perception and the feeling, of course, that uh, the Greek society had to carry a big burden. As to a regret, uh, I rarely think that a politician has regrets. And I think that also in uh, her answer, she made clear that she does not uh, regret, uh, she regrets the, the putting the burden on the Greeks, but she found it also necessary to do it in order to uh, keep uh, Greece inside the Eurozone. And we must not forget that, of course, at the same time, we had uh, financial disaster looming, looming also in other countries, uh, as, uh, for example, Cyprus, Ireland, Portugal, and even Spain. So I think uh, her overall picture at that time was that she had to treat everybody with the same strictness. Now, uh, after the fact, we know that it has been too severe and there should have been more incentives for investments. But um, yes, I don't think that she regrets it. She thought it was necessary. And of course, especially when... Uh, a chancellor or prime minister or president's term comes to an end, there is a little bit of a temptation to see them as independent actors. But of course, they're, they're operating within a wider political environment. And it would be interesting to hear from you your thoughts on to what extent Merkel's position on Greece was a product of the balances within her government or coalition governments and particularly her own party, the, the CDU, which you know well. Did, did she have room, for instance, to adopt a more lenient stance towards Greece? I first want to uh, add something to the regret. Uh, she said into the German public, the one thing she regrets is that she has not acted decisively enough against climate change. This is now another topic, mm -hmm. but uh, mm -hmm. so uh, maybe she has some kind of regret. As to the political composition back then, uh, inside and outside of her party in the coalition government in 2012 onwards, uh, since we are with the Adenauer Foundation and uh, close to the CDU, um, I think that generally the situation was that, that of course the public in Germany felt that Greece mostly deserved um, the strictness of the memoranda, but at the same time was of course very much influenced by the uh, yellow press and uh, the stereotypes which, which were used there. And I think in many ways, um, maybe some politicians failed to uh, make clear the burdens that really uh, came onto the Greek and onto the people of the other countries which were bailed out. Uh, generally, I think that there really was a, um, a tendency also inside uh, the CDU governing party that 
people were willing to risk a eurozone exit from Greece without any unforeseen or without seeing the consequences of that step. And I think Merkel was clever and powerful enough to understand that uh, she has to do everything to keep Greece within the eurozone. And in that respect, I find the, um, this is one of her biggest achievements generally that she kept Europe together in this crisis, but in the following crisis as well, despite many challenges we had internally and externally. During her brief visit to Athens, she described Germany's relationship with Greece uh, during her tenure as quite lively. I, it was a phrase I, I liked a lot, a very diplomatic way of putting it. An understatement. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, perhaps the liveliest period of all was during 2015 when right. uh, Greek exit from the Eurozone or Grexit, as it was known, became a distinct possibility. Um, and obviously there was this very intense friction between not just Germany and Greece, but a number of uh, Eurozone countries uh, and the, the Syriza government at the time, particularly the finance minister, Yanis Varoufakis. Yes. Um, leaving that moment aside, would it be fair to say that Merkel went from being completely perplexed by this government and these people that she'd never encountered before and a completely different attitude to things and being frustrated by the way they were going about trying to get a better deal from the Eurozone um, to eventually actually working quite constructively with the Syriza-led administration in the ensuing years. And if this is a fair reflection, how do you think this came about? Well, I think the term perplex is maybe not right. We shouldn't forget that she's a natural scientist. She's a physicist and um, complex topics and um, questions are, I think, her, her specialty. In that respect, I don't think that she was very much surprised by um, the stance um, Prime Minister Tsipras and Varoufakis were taking since it was already apparent that they might gain power before and she prepared for it accordingly. I think one of the strengths of the Chancellor Merkel has been over the years that she has gotten along with uh, many politicians from any political field and camp uh, despite many, let's say, technical and political disagreements. And I think this is one of her strengths that he has, she has not only managed to forge compromises on with 27, 28 member states on the European level, but she also managed to establish personal relationships with very diverse politicians, ranging from a hyper energetic Sarkozy to a brinkmanship driving Tsipras and Varoufakis, maybe. So I think uh, one of her um, best characteristics is probably this patience that she probably not wears them out and tires them until they understand and see reason, but at least uh, she can make the position clear and uh, find a way forward. And I think this is something we will miss. Uh, we have missed a little bit of uh, a vision and maybe also leadership within Europe the last couple of years, but uh, concerning the crisis and how she dealt with Syriza, I think it was um, really un unrealistic to uh, see how Greece could not clash with the rest of Europe. And in the end, Greece stayed within uh, the Eurozone and actually uh, turned around after a much too long time, but it turned around. And I think uh, this comes because both sides understood that um, there were mistakes and we need to adapt. And especially Tsipras adapted with the government, but also Germany and Europe adapted. And now 
after the fact admits that uh, the memoranda were too harsh. Uh, certainly, whatever you think of uh, Chancellor Merkel's staying power or stamina is uh, qualities that you would ascribe to her, even if 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 you don't uh, agree with the rest of her. Certainly, knew how to stick it out, and uh, uh, there was always the sense that uh, with that uh, series of government, uh, she she would she would outlast uh, the, the the line they had uh, taken. But I'm also interested in your view on how perhaps attitudes to Greece within the CDU have changed over recent years. Um, yes, perhaps in the, yeah, in the early years of, uh, of the crisis, there was perhaps a very one-dimensional view of what was going on in Greece. And perhaps this became a little more um, uh, fleshed out or changed as Greece completed the third bailout in 2018 and then subsequently, of course, in 2019, New Democracy, a centre-right party, came to power. How have you seen this change? Well, without having been inside the government, really, um, but uh, perceiving how this went and also my experiences here in Greece working with Nea Demokratia and uh, knowing the experiences of my team and my colleagues and how when we arrived 2012 in Greece at the height of the crisis and the difficulties we have in establishing common ground, I think we've moved a long way. And I think that um, the atmosphere of uh, broken trust, and I think that was uh, what existed between Greece and Germany and maybe even between Greece and many of the Euro countries, um, has been re-established, partly also by the preceding governments, but especially now by the Mitsotakis government, which is the first one which came into power 2019 after a long time, being constructive with Europe and being uh, open to discussion and to um, effective uh, cooperation on many fronts, bilaterally with Germany, but also on uh, Euro questions. I think that is a big change to the five preceding governments, which were on one way or another, always confrontational with Europe and was, were always blaming in one way or another reforms which were necessary on European imposition without acknowledging that they are necessary. And in that respect, I think we, uh, we moved on and uh, turned a page here. And especially the constructive approach this government is taking has also proven very effective in the crisis which we have now, the pandemic, and shows also in new initiatives Greece has taken, for example, with the vaccination certificate, which I think is an initiative which has become now Europe-wide and popular for travelers. So I think that uh, Greece's role has changed. And inside the CDU, yes, it has definitely changed. Trust has been re-established and the relations are now, I must say, very close. Obviously, Henri, perceptions are things that uh, go both ways. And for a long time, you you'll know that there was a very negative perception of uh, Chancellor Merkel in Greece and she was highly unpopular. But I sense that this started to change um, from 2015 onwards after we got the, the drama of the referendum and then the third bailout out of the way and as we moved towards the refugee crisis. Um, and certainly opinion polls uh, over those years suggested that the uh, views of Greeks or uh, a decent amount of Greeks towards uh, Chancellor Merkel has started to uh, soften. Um, is this also the impression that you got that um, 
even though her stance on this refugee issue caused her some domestic challenges, at least vis-a-vis Greece, it did win her uh, points and uh, did much to change the image that Greeks had of her. Well, living and working here, personally, I must say, I never had any problems. And on the contrary, I was—I uh, think that there's a very friendly relationship. Concerning German politics and especially Angela Merkel, uh, I don't really see a big change in public debate and perception about the government. Uh, when we were looking in the um, um, forerun to the campaign in Germany to our national elections, it seemed like the Greeks would have liked to adopt uh, Annalena Baerbock or Olaf Scholz as a chancellor right on the spot. Um, so it seems like the sympathy definitely has not been on the camp of the CDU and uh, Angela Merkel. But uh, generally, I think that um, the, the, the image has been improved, of course, and I think that is, uh, that is important to do. Inside, uh, the seat, inside the government and in the Nea Demokratia, I perceive that there's a big readiness and um, um, eagerness to cooperate uh, since Germany remains uh, the leading motor of, uh, of uh, Europe, so to say. But I think publicly the dis- debate is still quite and negative, and I think that is a big challenge for anybody working in Greece on the political scene to overcome, let's say, public perceptions, where I would say that um, the present politicians could do more in order to highlight what uh, Germany is doing in cooperation with uh, with Greece, for example, on the economic front, on other initiatives like tourism and so on. One bone of contention as uh, Angela Merkel uh, exits the stage is, at least from the Greek perspective, is to do with the uh, Berlin stance on Turkey. Uh, I'm sure that you will have sensed that Athens feels uh, Germany is not being supportive enough of Greece in this dispute with Ankara. How is this issue seen in Berlin? Is it, is it potentially uh, uh, something that could be resolved as we move forward, or is it going to be uh, a thorn in the side, a, a problem, ongoing problem in the relationship? Well, first of all, one has to know that uh, in Germany, the migration issue still is one of the big uh, issues. Even though uh, we uh, see less arrivals, we still have uh, continuing flow of migrants coming to Germany, maybe not uh, mainly through the Balkan route now, but as you probably know, through the Belarusian route uh, via Lithuania and Poland now. So this is a topic which I think will concern us for a long time. And since the destination of most of those migrants is uh, Germany, we are very sensitive in that respect, and uh, every political party is very sensitive there. Um, Despite uh, the um, um, improved uh, situation regarding the migrants in Greece, we all know that many of the asylums and silence who have or refugees who have been granted status in Greece have been moving to Germany nevertheless. So there is a little bit also of a, let's say, concern that uh, those people who are recognized refugees in Greece, since they can move freely within the European Union, come to Germany after all, and the problem is not yet resolved. Uh, I want to say that in order to say that the um, concern we have towards Turkey, that they can really stop the flow of migrants, and especially illegal migrants, is still very high and on top of the agenda of every German government. In that respect, um, it is necessary to get along with, uh, with Turkey. That doesn't mean that uh, Germany or any other country should support the positions of an unpredictive um, and um, provocative uh, President Erdogan. 
But in uh, concerning the direct tensions we had last year, I think in order to be an honest broker between the two sides and de-escalate the tensions, it was necessary to uh, keep an equal distance between both parties. And um, uh, looking at ger the German measures on how um, the, the conflict has been de-escalated, it can be counted as a success because um, the, the discovery ships have been removed mostly from, uh, from the Aegean waters. The tensions have been reduced and talks have been resumed. Actually, today, as you probably know, Minister Mitarakis is in Ankara to talk to his counterpart, uh, the Turkish counterpart. So in that respect, uh, yes, um, I can understand why Germany is perceived to be um, always uh, open for dialogue with Turkey. But uh, I want to say from Berlin's perspective, it is necessary to keep the dialogue open and not to shut it out completely out of uh, anything. And if we look at the communication we see between Greece and Turkey right now, it's uh, definitely uh, not good that we most don't we talk parallel to each other, but we don't talk with each other here. And Andre, to finish off and continuing in this theme, let's try and take a sort of broader look at where Greek-German relations go in the post-Merkel period. What are your expectations? What are your thoughts? Well, of course, there's quite a big excitement now in Germany that a new generation of politicians will take over. This is partly true, uh, looking at the two junior partners of the future government. But of course, concerning Olaf Scholz and the Social Democrats, it is not. Um, but we have new challenges which arise and I think which become more urgent. We all know that climate change is one issue which where we need to do more. And I expect the German government to be uh, more active in that way and probably also more demanding of the other partners to do more and to commit more. On the other hand, we know that uh, Germany is not the best example when it comes to fighting climate change with uh, very uh, high energy prices and uh, these kind of things. But I see a new push for partnership and looking for anything which comes to sustainability and fighting climate change uh, regarding green energy, where we already have big investments of the last couple of years of German companies and um, in the tech sector, where we have a German company investing in Ioannina, but also, of course, in the tourism sector, which is very necessary in order to enhance, let's say, sustainable tourism and long-term tourism, extending the season of uh, tourism in Greece. So in that respect, I look forward to many different uh, new initiatives, but also ones, some of which have been started during the Chancellor's um, period, like, for example, the youth office, the German-Greek youth office, where we will have a new generation, hopefully, of young Greeks and Germans who meet more often and understand each other more often so that we don't get back into the stereotyping we had at the height of the financial crisis. Henri, thank you very much for this rapid tour of the past, present and future of Greek-German relations as we uh, uh, bid farewell to Chancellor Merkel and look towards the future. It was a pleasure, Nick. Thank you. You're listening to the Agora Podcast, brought to you by Macropolis. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and we are hosted on Acast. We love hearing from you guys, so please, if you haven't, do write to us, rate us, and subscribe. It really helps others find us. And of course, for more information about our work, 
and articles and commentary, visit our website, macropolis.gr. That's Macropolis with a C. Now, back to the show. Before the break, we heard from Henri Giscard Bonnet, who heads the Conrad Adenauer Foundation's office here in Athens, and he helped us decipher much of what happened over the last decade or so, and looking forward to how Greek-German ties could develop from now on. Now we move on to Christos Katsoulis, who was uh, the director of the Friedrich Ebert Foundation's office in Athens during a particularly tumultuous period. In fact, Christos arrived in Athens in 2012 to reopen the office after it had been closed for a few years. It was the year, if you remember, Phoebe, of double elections. I do. How can you forget the emergence of Syriza as a political force? Golden Dawn. Yeah, Golden Dawn in the spotlight as well. A bank run we knew little about. Apparently the Euro's... Stacks of euros were being airlifted into uh, Athens uh, during the night. Suitcases. Yeah. And the adoption of the term that would haunt us for a few years, Brexit. It's fair to say that by the time Christos left (laughs) Athens in 2017 to take over the foundation's London office, he and his team had seen a hell of a lot happen in Greece. I'll bet. Here is Christos Katsoulis speaking to us from Vienna, where he is now head of the Friedrich Ebert Foundation's Austrian office. Christos, obviously, we're talking about the end of uh, Angela Merkel's reign in Germany, but with a particular interest on her relationship with Greece during her long time in power. One of the things I, I wanted to ask you was, to what extent should we be examining this relationship between Angela Merkel and Greece through the domestic German prism rather than relations between Germany and Greece. Um, And here, for instance, I have in mind, uh, as an example, the timing of the first bailout when uh, it seemed to be in discussions and discussions and being delayed until the state elections in North Rhine-Westphalia in 2010 uh, took place. I remember being in uh, Dortmund shortly before uh, the elections and of course it then became the Greek issue became a, a, a key matter, a key point of discussion in campaigns for national elections that um, Merkel fought as well do, do we need to look at it through that domestic prism? Yeah I think obviously we need to do that um, because otherwise maybe we can't understand some of the timings but also some of the decisions and probably the the general framing of the whole crisis in Germany. Um, you mentioned the local elections in North Rhine-Westphalia. Um, that was an important step, and I remember some of the 
rhetoric coming from that election campaign was rather difficult to digest in Greece. Um, and on the other hand, we need to remember that from 2009 to 2013, we had a coalition government between the Conservatives, Angela Merkel, and the Liberals. And that was a rather dysfunctional government in, in the meaning that it, there, there wasn't a, a good atmosphere between the two parties and a lot of contentious issues around. Um, and that, I think, framed um, the, the whole uh, uh, room of maneuver of Merkel in this crisis and kind of forced her um, to go into a more conservative direction in handling in the handling of Greece. Uh, you mentioned there, Christos, about um, comments being made in 2010 in the North Rhine-Westphalia uh, state election that were hard for Greeks to digest. And uh, it takes me back to how we first met in a, in a way because I'd written an article in 2011, May 2011. I still remember the title. It was called... Uh, Hey Merkel, leave the Greeks alone. My, my, my nod to Pink Floyd. There, people now may be wondering, oh, that's quite a harsh title, or you know, why would you put something like that? And it, in fact, it was a reaction to a speech Angela Merkel had given, in which she suggested that uh, Greeks retire too early and take too many days off uh, each year. And I, I think the the aspersion with regards to holidays was also. Uh, reflection on other southern European countries. And this was very much um, symptomatic of the north-south divide that was um, emerging at the at the time and became a key issue during the Euro crisis. But it's also a reminder that Merkel, at least in the early stages of the crisis, actually contributed to this divisive language and the poisonous narratives that were developing around Greece. Um, I'm wondering if you agree on that point and also whether you think to a certain extent that it limited also her policy options domestically, because obviously she was playing to a domestic gallery, but by using this language, by uh, feeding this these stereotypes, it, it also limited the options, in my view, at least, that, that she could take. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. Um, but I think there, there are two problems here. The one is that we saw in the very beginning of the, the crisis that Germany was trying to play, or the German government was trying to play a classic two-level game, speak one language domestically and the other one internationally, and we saw these two levels merging um, in the Greek crisis because both of us remember how deeply um, the, the Greek newspapers and, and, and TV channels went into German domestic policies. Um, and we had all these speeches um, um, nearly live, but uh, very directly reported into Greece. Um, so the, the two-level game never worked. Um, and the other thing is, especially in 2011, Merkel was domestically under huge pressure um, and domestically, not only nationally, but also inside her own party. She had taken in 2010, 2011, some very contentious um, decisions to uh, abolish compulsory military service, for example, in 2010. Um, then she decided that um, the exit from the nuclear energy will be um, done more quickly than it had been decided before, after the nuclear incident in Fukushima. 
And from February 2011, her conservative um, minister of defense was um, in, intricated in an affair of plagiarism. Um, so th there was a pressure um, on Merkel to, um, to, to show how she's a real conservative politician. And by that, I think or she tried to do that uh, by following um, the discourse of some media, especially the Bildzeitung, Focus, Die Welt, and a few very conservative politicians inside her own party who portrayed the whole Greek crisis um, as uh, lazy southerners against the austere and um, very well-behaved and responsible northerners. Um, and what played into that was also the whole German perception of the financial crisis in 2009, uh, because already then there was um, a, a general feeling in Germany that we behaved responsibly before the crisis, and therefore we didn't have to pay so much like the Americans or the, the, the British, for example. And th the same tune could be heard in the Greek crisis as well and limited the whole um, uh, options on the table. It was one of the reasons, obviously, along with the very uh, testing austerity policies that came with the bailouts, that uh, Angela Merkel became such a, well, not to put too fine a point on it, a, a figure of hate in, in, in Greece, uh, in public opinion, in much of the, the media, but perhaps a person that was even more despised than her was her finance minister, Wolfgang Schäuble. And it'd be interesting to hear from you about your thoughts on the role that this relationship between the two played in defining her stance on Greece. Uh, it, it, it was often thought that, at, at least in Greek public opinion, that uh, Schäuble was uh, imposing his will on Merkel. But was that necessarily the case? It, it, it's a very interesting relationship between Schäuble and Merkel. Um, to say the least. Um, and I think in that case, he managed to impose some of his ideas on her. Um, first, because there was this domestic situation I just described. And secondly, um, because I, I think Angela Merkel was no European by heart like Helmut Kohl before or other chancellors. Um, so uh, Schäuble, who was a European and is a European by heart, but a, a European of a certain... Uh, political direction could impose his ideas on her. Um, but the, the other thing is that the, the relationship between Schäuble and Merkel hasn't been always one of um, complementarity or, or working or co cooperation. It has been one of competition. And um, she just in an interview a few days ago made a very, very snipey comment on him um, that one thing she learned from him is um, the, the Latin phrase, respice finem think of the end, think ahead of the end. Um, mm. And she mentioned that because she's leaving the, the political scene now um, rather dignified and as the, the big chancellor floating over everybody else, whereas uh, Wolfgang Schäuble is a simple MP. Mm. He was everything, but now he's a simple MP. Um, so, yes, speaking of a figure of hate, Wolfgang Schäuble for sure played an important role, um, but there were windows of opportunity inside the political scene in Germany that he used, and he used very cleverly, um, to somehow uh, enhance and strengthen his agenda of core Europe, which he had published on, I think, in 1994 already, 
And uh, he tried, I think, through the through the moments that the crisis offered him, to um, uh, push this idea through. So you know, one of the things that uh, I, I found surprising, uh, and this is going to Germany in the early uh, years of the crisis, where a couple of years in, and I was speaking with a politician from uh, Die Linke, the the left wing party, and. He said to me, you know, we have a lot of uh, sympathy for what's going on in Greece and we would like to express solidarity with the Greek people and the situation there. But he says, you know, when we go into factories in Germany and we speak about the Greek situation, the response we get is, um, you know, why is our money going towards, you know, our, 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 the money, we, our hard-earned money going towards the Greeks, because very much the, 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 the impression that has been built is that these guys are not deserving of uh, your uh, your tax euros uh, because uh, they have not been paying their taxes, they've not been working hard enough and all the other uh, criticisms and uh, cliches uh, to some extent. Did the SPD, uh, when it was in opposition, encounter these kinds of problems in arguing for a different approach on Greece? Was it interested in a move away from the austerity-led approach that uh, Merkel was uh, personifying? And then, of course, when it came into government uh, in, in the later years of the crisis, did you, do you think the SPD actually had a discernible impact on the direction in which... Um, Angela Merkel uh, went vis-à-vis -vis Greece. I, I think in the in the early years of the crisis, two thousand nine, two thousand thirteen, uh, the SPD tried to go a different way, um, but encountered the same problems you just described from from the politician of Die Linke. Um, there was a rather broad consensus in Germany, public consensus, that uh, the Greeks were free riders in the euro. They manipulated their way into the euro. They were always on holidays. They were lazy uh, and living off uh, of German money. So whenever somebody offered a different um, approach to the whole crisis, that seemed to feed into the idea that he wants to give more money to these um, free riders, not deserving free riders. So the, the SPD tried very, very quietly, I'd say, um, to um, to go a. a, a in a different direction or maybe in a more human or humanitarian direction, um, uh, mentioning that there was an elite mass split in, in, in Greece, that the, 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 the mass of the people uh, paid for the, for the um, mistakes of the elite, for example. But it was very difficult to get through. Um, and I, I experienced that myself. I did a lot of public events in Germany during that time and, in the, in the beginning, it was always very difficult to get through um, and to allow people to hear what's really going on in Greece. Uh, you needed one and a half, two hours um, until people understood how the, 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 the normal Greek family um, uh, had to, what the normal Greek family had to go through during that crisis. Um, and, and I was speaking of experience and coming from Athens, so it was far more difficult for, for a politician. Um, the impact of the SPD after joining the coalition in 2013, I'd say, was rather small um, because then the framework of the Greek crisis was already set and there was very little room for maneuver. 
and we went into this, uh, these clashes uh, later on with the government of Tsipras and Varoufakis, um, and there was very little understanding for the needs and the difficulties of Greeks, um, and there was a feeling of the Greeks now being ungrateful. Um, and I experienced this same feeling also when I had discussions with SPD politicians. Um, so it was quite difficult to go in a different direction. It would be also interesting to hear from you about, uh, as the crisis involved, and obviously you were in Athens, you described very well there the, the, the effort to sort of go back to Germany to organize events to try and inform people to try and answer their questions i took part in one such uh, event and one of the things that, that struck me was that i found myself being treated almost like i was a representative of the greek government at the time having to answer for what the greek government was doing which was uh, <laughs> uh Rather uncomfortable, I have to say, but it was very much you could understand in a sense that uh, people in Germany who are plugged into this discussion and to, into this uh, developing situations were looking for answers, were trying to find out how this country that is you know so small but is causing so many problems operates. What's the what does society think? Uh, where are the problems emanating from? What appetite is there for change? How difficult did you find it uh, during this period to give the German politicians that you met a more nuanced understanding of Greece, especially once the narratives that we've discussed uh, um, had been formed in the initial years of the crisis? Um, mostly these were quite positive experiences for me because the politicians I met were interested in what's going on really in Greece. Um, journalism in Germany at that time was quite um, um, filled with cliches and stereotypes um, and there were very little experts who could say what's really going on in the country and how the the, the program of the Troika affected the people. Um, so politicians were quite interested and, and rather open for, for most of the things I, I could explain to them. The difficulty started when they were forced to explain that to their constituencies. So we had a few meetings where they invited me to their constituencies to discuss the, the, the Greek crisis with the people on the ground in, in Hesse or in, in Baden-Württemberg, for example, um, because they said, I can't do it alone because I don't have this kind of authenticity and, and, the, and also the, the possibility to, to make so many um, real-world and real-life examples. Um, so that was kind of an ex interesting experience because I, I had this kind of function, this in-between function, this kind of translator of realities from Germany to Greece and the other way around, um, because it's not only different, different languages, it's also different realities. And, and um, to explain how people had to, to live in the Greek system of um, healthcare, for example, or, or the, the housing market and things like that in Germany was quite, um, um, uh, let's say, it, it was a boost of optimism for me because I could see that not only politicians, but also people try to really understand if you got through um, and if they went um, through the point that they um, wanted to learn more than they could read in the Bildzeitung, in the Yellow Press, that were awful, uh, to be honest, in the 
in, through the whole crisis. Yeah, I, I found that one of the things that always hooked people when you told them was that unemployment benefit was only available for 12 months. And that really shocked them. And once they heard that, they were perhaps more amenable to, to hearing more about the reality on, on, on the ground. Christos, during that time that you, were, you headed the uh, Friedrich Hebert Foundation office in Athens, did you sense a shift in attitude towards um, Greece and the understanding of Greece among German politicians and perhaps the members of the public that you came into contact with? Yes, I think so. Um, I think it, it, there were, were a few waves. Um, in, in the very beginning, it was kind of um, angry um, and, and um, um, astonished about how, how the Greeks could do all these things and, and how ungrateful they were um, and how they wanted more money from us. Um, but then there came, came the sense that Germany is also kind of responsible for what's going on in Greece and there were more reports about the social impact of the crisis and um, people wanted to learn more and, and wanted to, to change all the things um, because you have this, this double-edged sort of, of uh, German leadership in Europe. Um, on the one hand, they want to lead, but on the other hand, they want to be loved. And they were leading, but they weren't, were not loved. Um, so they try to, to make it better. Uh, but then during the first months of 2015, and we all remember how that was, the, the wave of ungratefulness came back and they were like, we, we treated them more human, human. We, we gave them more money, more programs. And now they're, they're being ungrateful. And Varoufakis and his middle finger weren't quite helpful in, in this uh, whole debate. Um, but I, I think we're now back in, in a situation or after, after 2015 autumn, we were back in a situation where there were more understanding and through the migration crisis, there were even a better understanding of the burden Greece was shouldering for Europe. Um, and uh, I think there we saw um, how, how close both countries were in how they were perceived or how they perceived migration and the situation of these migrants coming to Europe. Very interesting. Christos, just to round off, if we can go back and take a bird's eye view of uh, Merkel's uh, chancellorship vis-à-vis Greece, uh, in summing up, would you say it was pragmatic or short-sighted? And you don't need to give a one-word response or or two words if you treat short-sighted as two words. Uh, it's a wonderful question. Um, I would say, and that coins Merkel's policies, not only in the Greek crisis, but in most of the 16 years of her chancellorship, it's um, short-sighted pragmatism. Um, it's this kind of muddling through, this step-by-step, which sometimes means you're just lost in, in the fog uh, because you, you, don't, you don't have a direction. And I think that was um, especially visible in contrasting her policies or her treating of the crisis with uh, Wolfgang Schäuble. He had a direction. He wanted core Europe. Um, and she had no idea of what Europe she wanted. Um, so she just muddled through. So it's short-sighted pragmatism. Sorry. No, that's a fantastic note on which to end on. And I think uh, I'll, I'll write that uh, term down somewhere and use it in, in the future. Christos. Thank you very much for joining us on the Agora. Thanks. It was a pleasure to be here.
That was Christos Katsoulis, the director of the Friedrich Ebert Foundation office in Vienna, but who was in charge of the organization's representation in Athens between 2012 and 2017. Christos and Henri have been kind enough to provide us some great insight into the factors that shaped Merkel's relationship with Greece over the years, and there were many of them, perhaps more than met the eye at the time. For those of you listening to us from outside Greece, I really can't overstate how ubiquitous a figure Angela Merkel was for Greeks during the crisis. Of course, there were extremes. Sometimes she was cast in the role of a pantomime villain, and other times she was seen as an infallible partner, if you like, we were, we were unworthy of uh, having. But in between all that, she became an inescapable part of our daily lives as we struggled between raging against what we saw as the injustice of our predicaments, and on the other hand, trying to come to terms with our weaknesses. And you know, Phoebe, one of the things that uh, stays with me is that um, we had some friends visiting from Germany during the crisis, and we were sitting outside for a, a coffee. And of course, you know, they were saying, "Oh, when are you going to come and visit us in Germany?" And my son, who was seven, eight at the time, pipes up and says, "As long as Merkel is in charge in Germany, I'm never visiting the country." <laughs> so it was like. <laughs> Panic looks between wow. us. Now, I, I, I can assure you, Phoebe, this is not something he picked up at home. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. But, but you know, no. But, you know, it, it, wow. obviously That's... this was going around at the time. And, uh, you know, Merkel was one of the few politicians he, he could uh, recognize. Schäuble was another one. And we, yeah. it, it was just a handful of politicians. And, you know, most of them were uh, German rather than Greek. But, you know, the, obviously this is something he picked up in school, in the family, you know, friends or whatever it, it may be. But that's the kind of environment um, we were in. And I'm glad to yeah. say that we've moved out of that now. But um, it's not something that we will forget easily. Absolutely. Well, I guess you can take him to Berlin now. Yes, there you go. (laughs) There's officially no reason not to go. (laughs) Well, after being such a mainstay of our lives, Angela Merkel has left the stage. And it's difficult to sum up everything that's happened in less than an hour, but we hope that we've been able to illuminate this difficult but fascinating period in our history. And I guess... All that's left to say is, so long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, and adieu, Angela. Never a dull moment. Bye-bye.